Uh, to do the intro in Spanish this time, do we? No, let's just do the first one. Okay. Hello, uh, y bienvenidos. No, I'm making it with French. Who cares? Hello, <laughs> welcome to... French and Spanish are so similar, it, it takes a sec for my brain to go, wait, which one is which? Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hello, welcome. This is the second episode of Dark Habits. Uh, and a mode of our podcast. And this is the first classic Hollywood we're doing. And as, as if you saw the title, you know, it's The Women from 1939. It's a movie I I first heard of. Um, what's that movie show where a lady does all the voices and people complain about her Alfred Hitchcock impression? Actually, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, is it a YouTube thing? No, the podcast is super popular. She's married to Ryan Star Wars guy. She was married to Ryan Star Wars guy. No, I who's Ryan Star Wars guy? Oh, Ryan, you're talking oh, Karina Longworth. Yes, her podcast. You must remember this? Okay. Yeah. The Crawford series that she did. That's how I first heard of it. The women. And it's one of those things like, uh, eh, I might get to it. That was like the one Joan Crawford movie they talked about that actually sounded pretty interesting to me at the time yeah. and uh i'm still slowly adjusting to classic hollywood uh style because i've mentioned before there's something about like old hollywood like pre i don't know like the the 60s i just kind of struggle with it, it, it with uh, keeping my attention the whole time mm. yeah so uh sure. yeah uh, well uh, how do you first hear about this movie? Well, you put it on the list of the movies we're going to watch. I mean, I, I I think I listened to that same season of You Must Remember This, but I don't, I don't remember things like that. I, I just put it on the letterbox list, and then someday I may get to the 2,000 films I have on there. Probably not, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, this is my second Joan Crawford movie. This is my third uh no well, fourth that's a lie that's a lie straight jacket which is great that we mm -hmm. we're probably going to cover because that movie's that movie's wonderful mm -hmm. uh uh johnny guitar which we will talk about in this season this movie and the unknown a silent movie with uh i can't remember the, the guy the, one of the big silent movie guys and, like in the movie he learned how to throw knives with his feet. Oh, you're, a you're talking feet. about... Yeah. Um, his son was a wolf man, right? Yes, his son is a mediocre actor. Mm. Or was. Can't remember. Can't remember. The first movie... Uh, the only other Joan Crawford movie I've seen is Trog. <laughs> uh, what's that? Well, let me, let me tell you. It's from 1970. And... Anthropologist Dr. Brockton unearths a primitive troglodyte, an Ice Age missing link, half caveman, half ape, in a local cave. Through medical experimentation, she manages to communicate with him and domesticate him before he's let loose by an irate land developer and goes on a rampage, terrorizing the local cit cit citizenry. Wow. It's like one of the last movies, I think. Yeah, her... Her and Bette Davis is, and 
end of their careers is really both great and also like, oh, they're better than this. Hmm. Not the start of the movie. But, um, yeah, so, like, besides Joan Crawford, like, I kind of just know, vaguely know the names of, like, the other, the other women in this movie, because, um, I'm not sure if you noticed, Joel, but I don't think you see a single man in the whole movie. You know, you don't. And they, Which is they, kind of astonishing. They talk about men the whole time, but you think, like, are they going to show, like, even, like, uh, like a little boy with his mom? No, I don't think you even see that. Or one of the servers or something like that. Nope. I'm pretty sure. It's You're right. All women all the time. Okay. Um, there are more yeah. women of color in this movie than there are men. That's going to be an accomplishment <laughs> just on its own. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the cast, besides Joan Crawford, is Norma Shearer. Shearer. Uh, I hate that. I hate that name. It's it, when I say it out loud, it feels like I'm saying it wrong every time. Yep. Um, Ro- Rosalind, Rosalind Russell, Paulette Goddard. Is it Goddard? Yep. Uh, jo- Joan Fontaine, Lucille Watson, Mary Boland, uh, uh, Florence Nash, Virginia Gray, Marjorie Maine, and Phyllis Pova. And um, Hedda Hopper has a cameo towards the end. And uh, Butterfly McQueen is also in the movie. Butterfly McQueen. She's in Gone with the Wind. Oh, she's I the see. the uh, how should I? Does she like come on the? She's on the train station for she's a porter. Train Dorino for like one second. Yes, she's the porter, the the big, the fat black one. Yep, the big black one. Yeah. Because the other black women you see are, are skinny. But, like, Butterfly McQueen is uh, a memorable presence. Because she has, like, kind of, like, um, I'm looking for. She's not uh, joking with them, but she has a line of, like, okay, whatever you say, you crazy white people type yeah. of attitude. A lot, a lot of acting right in the eyes. Expressions she can make with those. Yeah. Like, okay, get out of here. I know some of these people. I mean, Joan Fontaine was in um, one of the Hitchcock movies. Which one? Like, I recognize Rebecca. a lot of names, but like it's just classic Hollywood, so I've never seen it, never seen these movies. Yeah. Letter uh, from the Unknown Woman, which is one of the Max Ophuls movies. It's really good. That's the Max Max Ophuls. That's the uh, earrings of Madame D. Yes. Okay. Mm. Let's see. Yeah, Mary Boland, I've only seen in that one, but she's pretty, she's great in this movie. Which one? Because, like, it, the first hour or so, I was yep. like, I'm trying to figure out who's who. I know who, I know the the big three, but besides yep. the big three, it's like, I'm not sure who's who. I mean, uh, Mary Boland was the older lady, also on her way to Reno. The Countess? Countess de la, yep. Okay. Yeah. And what else? Yeah, I mean, Chris. I mean, yeah, yeah. Joan yeah, Crawford a- plays like the villain. <laughs> yeah, uh, knowing what I know about her life, uh, this probably was what she did. Sounds like some stuff she would have done. She was drinking a Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was famously a, a nice, a nice person who did, yep. who, you know, always looked out for the other person. 
only the kindest. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly. Because I know some of the, one of the kids, some of the kids are like she was abusive. Some of the kids are don't think so. That's the whole thing. But. Yeah. Her first daughter is the one who got the brunt of it. And then her twins are the ones that are like, she was never like that. Yeah, well, you know, people change. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this is a George George Cukor movie, and I think this is... I'm pretty sure it's the only one I've seen. Oh, the only George Cukor. I believe I've seen more. Yeah, I've seen a lot more. My Fair Lady, which is one of the uh, Hepburns I'm kind of saving for... I don't know, whenever. It's like, I I have, think, like, five or six left. I've seen all of her movies. You've seen Adam's Rib, haven't you? Uh, wait, I have seen Adam's Rib. Okay, so yeah. there's... <laughs> the Women and Adam's Rib. Yeah, You know, uh, just at the end of last year, I watched Holiday. That has uh, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant in it. Like, I really like that. The poster is <laughs> kind of amazing because it's got, like people skiing on it and uh, doing uh, staple staple racing or whatever it's called with horses and that shit ain't in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it is very good. Yeah, so like this is, uh, I'll get things wrong. I know I'll get things wrong, so if that's gonna sell, that'll probably, I don't know, bother some people potentially. We know classic Hollywood, but like uh, George Cukor, which I was surprised to learn, he's uh, what he's an immigrant. He's from where was he from? Cougartown. Uh, or no, 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 but like maybe his parents were immigrants. But anyway, he like he uh, I think says like he came from a, like a, a Jewish Hungarian family. He was born. Yeah, he was born in Manhattan. Younger child and only son of Hungarian Jewish immigrants. Okay, so maybe he maybe he's first generation American, second. Yeah, I always forget which. But uh, maybe first. First, right? Okay, for sure. But uh, so he's that's a another name. It's like one of those names. Like I, I've known the name for years. Just like I don't. Again, the classic Hollywood. I don't know if I've ever seen anything. It's just one of those like George Cook or uh, Howard Hawks. You know that type of deal. Well, how do you go about picking a classic Hollywood movie when you're actually going to watch one? Uh, you cut out in the beginning of that. How do you pick out a classic Hollywood movie when you're going to watch one? And um, how do I go about it? I guess initially, uh, I think I think like the first one I really liked would have been How to Marry a Millionaire, the mm-hmm. uh, um, Marilyn Monroe movie. No, Marilyn Monroe. Because yeah. I, I realized uh, when I first saw it, I, I, I'd never seen her in a movie, and I just like kind of judged her based off of like pop culture, yeah. and then watching yeah. her in movies, like, oh wait, she was really talented and was a, a great performer, could and could do everything. Yeah, I'm straight. And it's just, it's more like a random thing of like some of them, like how I, how to marry a millionaire was. Like surprising because I never really heard anyone talk about it. It didn't feel like homework, but like the apartment felt like homework because it felt like it's the apartment. Everyone talks about it, and then I watched. Was like, I don't know, it's fine, whatever. And I had the same reaction to other 
Billy Wilder movies too, which was like Yassi uh, Sunset Boulevard because no. everyone says it's great and it's like I watched it and I was like, it's it's fine, I guess. Maybe I mean I don't like Sunset Boulevard because I don't really enjoy noir as itself. Uh, something I was just watching where I was like, I didn't realize this was noir, and now I know it's noir. Noir. No, no. Ah, that's a terrible word to say. What, what's wrong with the French? Uh, too much to get into. Anyway, I mean, like at this point with classic Hollywood, is this kind of stuff like, um. I don't know, like, there are certain classic actors and stuff that I, that I really like and, and, and am drawn to, like Audrey Hepburn, obviously. Um, I, I really like Spencer Tracy, uh, Catherine Hepburn. Who else is there? Joan Crawford. She's, uh, she's always great. Uh, it's really hard to think of it. Uh, there was one who was on Twilight Zone for one episode. Uh, Joan Blondell. That's another yep. like, classic one that I like. I, I've I've watched movies just because she's she's in it. But like the Cary Grants and Jimmy Stewart's are is kind of in that camp of. Uh, I I like them, but I don't really. I'm I'm not like over the moon over them like the way I, like I am with like the Hepburns and uh, Blondell. You're not like seeking out their entire ouvoir, right? No, yeah, not really. No, I don't. I mean, I don't feel that way about any actor. I don't think so. If somebody's going to be in something that I'm just not going to be interested in watching. It's just the fact that the way it is. Uh, but yeah, my, I mean, my Hollywood watching stuff is really sporadic. Most of it's just like. Uh, that looks kind of interesting on Criterion Channel or whatever, but sometimes I'll hear about something that is odd for the time period, and I'll specifically seek that out. But yeah, yeah, like for- every once in a while, I'm just like, yeah, I kind of feel like watching something from that time, that era. Not, not like, like I love noir. I love yo know, uh, slap. What is the kind of comedy this is? Oh, uh, screwball. Is it screwball yeah, screwball. Yes. They, they talk fast. Does that mean screwball yep. comedy? Or screwball comedy just means like the uh, innuendos and like uh I I don't know. You you might you probably know have no warned me. Not really. I assume that this is a screwball uh because of the fast talking and they definitely do the innuendo. Like one of my favorite parts is towards the end when mm-hmm. uh is it Mary? Mary's the name of the main character. Yeah. Yeah. She is getting her come up on Sylvia, I think. And she says, there's a name for women like you, but it's not appropriate <laughs> except for in use at uh, like dog kennels. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and lean over to the person that was watching with me and said, she means she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm not sure if you looked into this movie at all, but the screenplay is by Anita Luce or Luz. It's L O O S. I'm not sure if you say Luce or Luz, but she wrote the book uh, of a movie, a, a book that became a movie that you love. 
Oh, Repo Man. Yeah, yeah, she wrote Repo Man. No, she cool. wrote, um, gentlemen prefer blondes. Oh. That's cool. That's a book, huh? Yeah, uh, the book in the twenties became a pl- like like all oh, like a lot of classic Hollywood. It was a it became a, it was a big hit play. And then they're like, let's make the play a movie. Oh, so it's like the whale uh, to yeah. be contemporary and to age our podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah, the movie that uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those. I don't know if I want to sit through another Aronofsky movie like ever. Yeah, ever. There's something about like his more depressing, sad ones are just like it feels like he, he it feel like it's trying too hard, but also it's like it's also effective at the same time. It works. It's I, a weird it's a weird line. Yeah, I can't think of uh actually I can't really think of his entire library. Uh I I have been thinking about rewatching Noah recently just because I know a lot more about the historical context of the story just to see there's, there's still, as far as I know, there's still no, uh, what's the name of that actor? Oh, fuck it. (laughs) Anyways, if you haven't seen that movie, I shouldn't spoil it for you, but, uh, the whale, not all the animals make it off the, uh, Oh, no. Yeah, the thing that like put me off the whale also was, and apparently this, I don't know, some people have brought this up, is this like the whole skinny guy in a fat suit? Yeah. Which to me feels like, this on, on paper, I haven't seen the movie, but on paper it feels like, we're, we're, we're still doing this in 2023? Yeah. That feels kind of like we should stop be doing that. Listen, you can't hire an actor over a certain BMI, even though the BMI is completely made up bullshit. It has to be a actor. You know, the the thing that Brendan Fraser said was like, "I'm not, I'm not skinny." It's like, yes, Brendan Fraser, you're not skinny, but you're talking from this place of privilege. Like, if you wanted to get skinny, I'm sure Hollywood has a way to do that to you, but. Most people that are fat, like me, it it takes a lot of work that we simply don't have energy or time for. It's like, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. I'm sorry. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. If it was an excuse for you, congratulations. You figured that out. For the rest of us, blaming each other as if it was an excuse. Can you tell you hit a nerve? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can. (laughs) Anyways, what I'm saying is that, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on fat in media. Yeah, it's, yeah, anyway, but, uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so, uh, Anita Luce talking about her, and she wrote, yeah, she wrote the screenplay for The Women, which, uh, was a play written in 1936 by Claire Booth. Loose, I think it's L U C E. Wait, there's a loose and there's a loose. Yes. And Claire wrote the play and she wrote and she worked in show business and film and and the stage as a writer. And she's a and she became a conservative uh, Republican that served a couple terms as a representative. And she served under Eisenhower as an ambassador. And she was like, 
the big uh, like one of the celebrities that the Republicans had back in the day when she was still alive because she would uh, you know like she, Elizabeth Taylor oh she either a conservative no she was uh, she was one of the biggest like AIDS activists before it was even a thing like during the time of Ronald Reagan she was giving oh, so, money to charities and talking oh, about it openly so it was like her and Zola Rubenstein but she was married to a Republican senator and would like throw fundraisers for Republicans and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff while that was going on. Oh, then not like Zola Rubenstein. <laughs> I think Zola was like the first big, big actor to like advocate for people uh, with the like, AIDS crisis. Actually, there's Zola, a Zola. Wait, isn't Zola Rubenstein the the tiny lady from? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was pretty cool, by all accounts. Although, I wish she had a better career, but, uh, you know. Yeah. What happens, happens. Actually, she, she is in a movie that we will cover later. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. But, is uh, Repo Man? Is she in a Repo Man? I haven't seen No. That. Okay. I mean, she is. What the, the fuck? It was the 80s, maybe. Did you did you just say you haven't seen it? Yeah. Oh my god. One, I'll be in Salt Lake City in a month or two. So. Yeah. I know. Now I'm making plans. <laughs> okay. It sounds like a threat. And <laughs> uh, another woman worked on the script, uh, Jane Murfin, which sounds like a, a fake last name. Uh, yeah, Jane Murphy, who worked in Hollywood, and Anita. I think it was uh, Anita and Jane started working in the silent air in like the nineteen teens. Yeah. I believe it was Anita who worked under D.W. Griffith, and uh, yeah, like it's it's fascinating. Like their their careers go way way back. And I, th- I think Claire also worked in silent film too, but uh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. that long ago. I know, but like for the film industry, the people, you know, it's still like for for film, it's a long time ago. Anyway, so yeah, that's, I was almost, almost half an hour and we've barely talked about the movie. All right. So, uh, I already said my favorite part. Okay. Well, this movie, so first half, I kind of struggled with a bit trying to keep up with the fast talking and trying to be like, okay, who's who? Cause I wrote down the list of the cast. That's from the intro. Be like, yeah. will the animals mean something? And I think most of them do, but some I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't really. I don't even remember. Some were oh. foxes. Some were. Oh. I wrote it down. The lady horse. who has like the who has like the farm ranch where the women stay. That's yes. um She she's the horse in the beginning, right? Which that makes sense. Uh. Norma, uh, Norma Shear, who played Mary, the, the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a deer, which I'm not really sure what that's supposed to be. Uh, no, she's Crawf- a deer. <laughs> Crawford is a leopard, which y- you get it. It's obvious. Um, Sylvia is a house cat. I, I think I just got why she why they picked house cat for her. I don't know why. Why? Because she's she uh she 
uh, betrays Mary and then becomes Joan's like you know a uh, best friend and uh, just like a house cat. So you have Joan who is the leopard, and you have uh, Rosalind Russell who's the smaller cat. Are you? Do Maybe. you think Wednesday will ever betray you like that? Yes, she only uh, likes me because I give her food. It's I, not I, true. I, I know. I know. Uh, who is it? Mary Bolin, the Countess, was a monkey. Which, I don't know what that is. Uh, Paulette Goddard was the fox. Joan Fontaine was the sheep. Leslie Watson was the owl. And Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Pova was the cow. Wait, Lucille Watson? Lucille Watson was the owl. Mrs. Moorhead. I don't even know who Mrs. Uh, okay, I do see who Mrs. Moorhead is, but whatever. Oh, that's that's her mother. Okay. Yes, so owl, because owls are quote-unquote wise. wise. Mm-hmm. Fox. She was, that was Miriam. I'm trying to remember which one was Miriam. She's the one who was having an affair with Sylvia's husband? Yes. Uh, I think. Peg, uh, uh, Fontaine was Peggy. She was a sheep. And I guess she was, like, mousy compared to other women. Yeah. I guess, like the, I guess, like, more of a, a follower, maybe? I don't know. She at least stayed her friend, but she was she was the one that wanted the the hot gossip so badly in the beginning. Yeah, maybe that's what she's a follower. She's a sheep. Wake up, sheeple! Exactly. Yeah, the monkey maybe because like she's she's exotic and foreign. She's also wild. She's like <laughs> I've been with so many husbands. <laughs> ah. Yeah, just like a monkey. But the okay, so like I keep saying the first half, the second half, it really clicked in. And it was like, okay, this is kind of great. This is like super funny. Uh, There's some parts that made me laugh out loud. The joke with um, Lucy, the kind of rough and tumble like farmer woman. Yeah, I I wrote down the joke where uh, I think it's Peggy's talking to her about like uh, husbands and whatnot and. Uh, husbands and children, and <laughs> Lucy says, "Oh, I've had three And Peggy says, "Husbands." She's a, and Lucy says, "No, kids." <laughs> and like, hey. uh, like half of my half my notes is just like really funny lines. Yeah, most of my notes are my brain reacting to different things. Yeah. Um, you know, that's funny. Like in the in the beginning, I did also kind of fall like ADHD wise I been pausing it at like 45 minutes and I was like oh geez I, I felt like I've been watching this for more than an hour oh well and it's not because it was boring it was just they pack a lot into you know a little yeah. bit of time especially with the fast talking it's just like I keep up like who's who's doing what why is this like happening that way where is the husband <laughs> just took a little while for me to realize, oh, this guy's never going to appear, is he? Yeah. Great. Yeah, it, yeah, like, to bring a more contemporary example, this is, like, a screwball version of, like, Real Housewives bullshit. It really has, like, the same... Like, Real Housewives follows the same, like, uh, tropes of this movie. Sure. Except, except it's quote-unquote real. But Rich people at a fashion show. Rich people... At getting exercise, rich people, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and all he was gossip and like backstab each other. Well, some of them backstab each other, but like, you know, gossip and, uh, uh, like what you're wearing when you show up and what party you go to is like, that's, you know, like, that's like how you weaponize, you know, yourself and like, that's how you show how powerful you are to each other. Yep. So it really is just as like real housewives, more or less. It's exactly what I always want in the movies that I watch. Things that make me remember that I watched one or two episodes of Real Housewives. Oh, um, uh, okay. Where am I going? Okay, so do you think this movie is reductive? Well, yes. It, it's hard to, I mean, I'm a dude. I could see things that are, are more obvious, like putting women in their typical roles or making them like, oh, we're, those women, they're all gossips or, or whatever kind of thing. It's like, were women really like this? Were, I mean, show the men gossiping because they were doing it too. But I don't know. You know, they didn't have television back then. They had to do something. They ruin each other's lives and you know, other yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Like is, uh, I, I, I've look, look at some modern reviews and like one review brought up, uh, maybe it's maybe relevant or not, but written by, uh, someone I presume to be a man who was like, is this feminist or anti-feminist? And it's like, I don't think that I personally don't think that matters when talking about this. Like, there are aspects, like I said, the entire cast is women. That's feminist by itself. Like, male director, that's about the only man involved, because even the screenwriters are women, right? So... Uh, yeah, and there are some other screenwriters credited who who was a big one. There's... Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald apparently has a credit, according to Google, on this, which maybe he did, like, punch-up or something? Maybe that was the boring part. <laughs> Probably. By all accounts, he was kind of boring. And but, he's just never, never been able to read any of his books. Yeah, uh, Greg Gatsby was like in high school was like the most boring thing in the world to me. Seriously, it defies it defies you to read it. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Oh, you want to read me? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I, I don't get the point of that book. Apparently, people think it's good, but I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I know that they made an excellent movie about it. I mean, I hate the book so much. I was like, when, when the movie came out, I was like, fuck no, I'm not watching this. The Baz Luhrmann one is probably more exciting than the book, but like, I just hate that book so much. I just can't. I just can't bother. 19, whatever. Stock market crash. I can make a rap, see. Uh, anyway, so do you think this movie? So you said there are aspects of this being feminist. Do you cons? Would you say it's empowering? I don't know. I'm not the one to judge that. Like okay. you could watch this movie and feel like it. I feel like the ending of this movie is not empowering. Although somebody could definitely see it as having a positive ending. But like basically. The whole notion, your your husband cheats. It's like, actually, it's because you weren't there to take care of him. And so he just got into an even bigger pickle, you know? That's like, that that's not feminist. That's 
I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's just fascinating to look at this in the context of that time period where it's like, oh, and they talk to their husbands constantly, but like, you literally never see a man the entire time. Mm-hmm. And there's one article review I came across from Little White Lies, which is a, a good site. Um, Layla Teeth, former guest, writes for, I think she's the editor for Little White Lies. Mm. I can't remember if she's or, or just a writer or editor also. But, um, but, but in that review, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, the writer, she said that removing men from the picture gets get rid of the gender divide that will like the gender power divide. So, so that there is no, it is gendered, but it's about class and money more so than it's about men versus women. Yep. And like, and just having no men around just makes you really, uh, makes like the class and, uh, class and money aspect really stick out. Yep. Didn't know these people have any, like, I don't even know, making these movies back then that are just about rich women. And I, I don't know if the wealthy had caught on to the fact that movies are good and could be entertaining by 1939. I just know that it was like poor person entertainment. I just imagine somebody, you know, spending their nickel to go into the movie theater or whatever and watching this and being like, oh. That could have been that, you know, imagine having in that life, right? Yeah. Like, they could just go buy whatever they want. They're at a f- freaking fashion show and they're trying on the fashions directly afterwards and getting your full makeover to impress your husband and things like that. It's like none of these people have jobs. They don't go do anything. I think that was more like the makeover and, and getting fancy clothes to impress each other. I don't think your husbands care. No, but they specifically, uh, when Mary goes in for that makeover, right before she finds out what her husband's up to, you know, she goes in and somebody's like, you doing it for him? She's like, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This guy is so, uh, we didn't really, I guess we kind of talked around it. What exactly is the women? The Women is a movie about a bunch of women. One of them is married, happily married as a kid, seems to love her life, love her husband. And her cousin is a gossipy, nasty woman. And she's had troubled marriage. She knows that her husband has cheated on her. And so basically everyone around her has had that kind of experience. So when it finally comes Mary's turn... Her cousin cannot wait to see this fallout. She knows it's going to be a big disaster. She knows that Mary's finally going to be taken down a peg or two, even though Mary has never said a bad word in her life. So we watch the full avalanche and we watch it get worse and worse because people are just butting their head in, you know, talking to the woman he's been cheating with and turns out to be uh, Joan Crawford which is odd. She's working at a perfume store. Oh, whatever. 
And well, John Crawford doesn't have a rich husband. She's she's a a, a sales girl at oh, a oh, store yeah. for rich people, which yeah, is part of the got, class divide. Right. She's got a job. Yeah, she she has to work for a living. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's following her through deciding that her dignity was hard enough that she was going to go get the divorce. She wasn't going to go back and try to fix what was such a slap to her in the face. She thought they were happy. And just like the advice she's getting throughout the movie from uh, Mary Boland as the older woman who has this like (laughs) she has an amusing way of thinking of all the divorces she's already been through. It's like Yes, yes, marriage and divorce, it's a thing, but, like, love, it's all about love, huh? You guys don't understand. Which is funny, because at the end, when it turns out her next husband is the one cheating, she she is distraught. <laughs> which, but, yeah, which, given the context of her, because she goes on this really long speech, because, uh, like, this really, this feels like a play. Not in a bad yep. way, but it definitely feels like a play where she is like, oh, my, my last husband, uh, he tried to poison me for years. And this mm-hmm. kind of casually says it like, uh, like this kind of completely like acts like him attempting murder was no big deal. It's what, what men do. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. It's love. Which is, to me, that, that, that was strange. Because, like, uh, traditionally, like, poisoning someone slowly, that's more of a, uh, more of a traditionally uh, feminine way to kill someone. Because I remember in psychology classes, I, I majored in something related to psychology before. I had to take multiple. And uh, women usually will kill themselves or kill someone else in a more passive, slower way. Mm-hmm. And men, in general, a more violent uh, aggressive way. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Actually, I have no idea if it makes sense. There were a lot of suicide jokes in this movie. Yeah, there were. And murder jokes, but suicide. She jumped her and threw herself out the window. Um, what was her? See, I don't even remember her name. Like that's, that's the joke. We, we somehow got that woman to kill herself. We don't even remember who she was from the gossip. And then, uh, of course, everybody's going through miserable moods. A lot of people are talking about, yeah, killing themselves because they talk, or they didn't kill themselves because they they had the right people around them, which is good. But it's like, wow, I don't know, kind of weird. Yeah. Um. What performance did you like the most? It's kind of hard to say. Uh, Joan Crawford playing that just like catty, gross woman. She did a really good job, but like I, I really liked basically everybody in the cast. I'd say the husband did the best part. No, wait. Uh, eh, you know what? My favorite character is the cousin. Because she... Hmm? Uh, Sylvia, talking about? Yeah, Sylvia Fowler, Rosalind Russell. Just... I don't know. Like, she doesn't think she's causing any harm. Everybody's having fun with whatever she's talking about. And of course, uh, when uh, 
Mary, the main character, goes to Reno to get a divorce, which is that's kind of like a classic Hollywood thing we knew. Like celebrities would fly out of state to get a quick divorce rather than go through the process in California. And like she actually meets one of the, you know, quote unquote, other women there who is also going to Reno. I can't remember what her reason is. Um, And when her cousin also shows up in Reno because she's finally had enough of her husband cheating on her. She realizes that the other woman there had been the one her husband had been cheating with. And so then there's a, like her, her turning on her and becoming Sylvia's. No, wait, she is Sylvia. <laughs> Just classic Joel. I can't remember anybody's name. It's Crystal. She becomes Crystal's best friend all of a sudden, which is like, I can't believe we're going there. Like, seriously, that's your cousin. Um, no, I, I can't believe it. It's like my inside. It's just it's like uh, draw like you know reality show drama. Basically, it's like yeah, that's that's what like I I've seen this in like you know quote unquote and stuff like you know uh, I'm going with this. It, it it wasn't shocking to me. It was like yeah, well, given how story's going, of course that's going to happen. I don't know how the story goes, for God's sake. Well, as I, as I went along, I realized, oh, this is just like, um, you know, uh, catty melodrama. Like, okay, of course, like, there will be a big betrayal. Yeah, so... And watching this, like, I can understand why, like, Amodavar, because I just believe this was on his list of movies he loves. Like, this movie feels very... Maybe I'm out of line, but it just really just feels uh, has like a queer sensibility to it. I don't know about that, but I can tell you well, like that even of- the one movie we've watched so far, there's a character in that movie that is straight out of this movie. Uh, which one of the flight attendants? No, it's when the uh, the girlfriend of the actor had thrown all his stuff outside the mm-hmm. window and the one lady's like oh i don't lock i don't like to talk out of uh <laughs> i don't want to talk out of yeah whatever anyways just like a total gossip she can't stop herself she's just like telling the stranger everything about the people that live in the apartment what she's seen and all this stuff it's like yep there's that woman <laughs> yeah well like the, yeah, like the like the queer sensibility to me really comes off as like the fashion, plus like the the hot, like I don't I don't like if this counts as campy, but this that uh, this has camp elements to it, definitely. Literally, yeah. And uh, there are lines like at the end when uh, Mary realizes she can get her revenge. She says, uh, uh, "I took two years to grow these claws, Mother Jungle Red," which yeah. I, I didn't say with the right amount of passion, but like. If you watch like Drag Race and stuff like that, like that's like that's something that they would say on like Drag Race. So she had to grow. She had to become a different kind of woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that the Jungle Red did come back later on mm-hmm. too. She got her epic revenge, and then she got to run back to her husband. I think. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even get to talk about the fashion show yet, but the fa- fashion show. Uh, I want your input on this aspect. So the movie is in black and white. 
but yep. the fashion show was in color. Yep. That felt like an uh school no, no school days. Um she's gonna have it. The movie's in black and white, but you get a musical number in color. Oh yeah. Tying it all the way back there. For sure. Yeah, and I feel like this is a movie Spike probably seen because Spike, it's you know, it's one that when Spike you know loves movies and references like certain things a lot, but like you know, like you can tell Spike loves movies and has wa- watched a lot of movies. I was thinking about Wizard of Oz. You know, all of a sudden we're in color, and like color movies were a thing when this movie came out. So I, I feel like, I like we can't just release this black and white movie, people are not necessarily, they're going to get bored. So we're going to have one big color sequence to, to make people wow over that part. And then we'll continue the movie because like the fashion sequence that could be cut from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no reason for any of that stuff, but like I had fun watching it, but yeah. Uh, I had fun until one the monkeys dressed up as people. And that made me sad. But besides oh. that, I liked it. I didn't think that was part of the fashion show. I thought they were just monkeys. Well, still, monkeys shouldn't be in movies with people. They they should be left alone. Let's go back in time and tell them. Yeah, that means we gotta stop uh, John Heaston from making movies, though. So, God. Yeah. Which pro- might be for the better, because he was a shitty person. Allegedly. 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 You didn't know him in person. All hearsay. Uh, Wednesday is. She wants my attention now. Told you. Anyway, uh, okay. So we talked about like you. Th- you thought it was funny. You liked the performances, all that. Uh, what? What? Uh, what's your favorite aspect of the movie? Like, did you like the direction? Did you like the pacing? Did you like the jokes? Uh, I think that it did have pretty good snappy dialogue joke wise a lot of talking about something without talking about something a lot of hinting and some of the best parts were before we even got to our characters just people like talking in the foreground the background like the the opening part i was kind of confused but like mm-hmm. I, I think back on it i'm like that is pretty cool that we were just like hearing everybody inside this spa this beauty spa or whatever as we finally get to the people we're supposed to be paying attention to. And that happens again a couple of different times. Like, uh, at the end, when uh, they're in that dressing room, shared dressing room with people, I guess, just a couple of people walking in with their own conversations going on. That was fun. And, like, I, yeah, I don't don't think there's a bad actor in the bunch. I don't think there's anything like that. Like, I, I even like the kid actor. What can I say? Yeah, she's doing. At first, she's doing generic. Oh, Bobby, what am I going to do? Then there's the part where she gets told that her parents are divorcing. She just goes downstairs and cries. You did it. Yeah, and she is. She had good comedy timing when uh, Joan is in a bath and she's like, uh, "Why don't you like me?" And she says, "And then you get a pause." She goes, "Well, good night." Yep. Yep. Sit down. It's like, I never said I didn't like you. Okay, fine. You don't have to say it. And it's like, Rosalind Russell, even if it wasn't, like, funny, she was the, like, she was, like, the 
to me like the funniest person overall in the whole movie. Because like there are a couple points, yeah, I think at her at the end when they're getting their revenge, and uh, Mary's talking about some doctor to like get her attention, and Rosalind Russell walks into the wall <laughs> instead of going through the door. You. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like nobody was the victor in these movies. Like everybody was getting some joke played on them, which is which is a yeah. good way to go. Yeah, like but even like, Mary, Mary was the butt, butt of the joke for the daughter, and sometimes, sometimes, and other things like that. Like, yeah, but like Russell was was like actively like like the funny one. Where jo- like Joan wasn't funny; she was just like being you know the Joan Crawford character. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, like her being funny was off playing off of other people or talking on the phone. Like, hey, yeah. I think I would get some privacy in this bathroom. Yeah, and Rosalind Russell was just like generally it's like really funny the whole time like mm. she i guess she was like uh i don't know this the not not the foil but like she's kind of like played like the like the buffoon which like she she like had like the buffoonish like idiot role in this because like uh you know cause like she doesn't think you know she can get any any of this will, will bite bite her in the back oh right exactly she's the innocent party Simply repeating things that she heard. Yeah. Maybe, hearsay, uh, I tell you, hearsay. Yeah. And there's a great line. I think it was Mary, it could be Mary or Peggy, but when Hedda Hopper shows up and was like, Do you have a scoop? And she didn't say that, but something like that. But yep. one of them says back to Hedda Hopper after like they get the plan going, it's like, Something's going to pop. Good and dirty. Gross. I don't know. I, I uh, liked it. Yeah, I like I like I have to like the subtle crassness of everything. Yep, yep. And uh, uh, what what'd you think about that girl fight? I thought it was funny that uh, they got uh, for who it was, but one of them got got I guess skirted. Yep. I, I can't say pants because she's still wearing like shorts under the skirt, but she's got but she got her skirt pulled down <laughs> mid yep. fight. Kind of like shocking, like. In the uh, Wikipedia article, it talks about how the screenwriters had to like make it appropriate for the Hollywood code or, or whatever at the time period. It's like there, there's some scenes in here like when the women are exercising. There's just like back of the leg stuff. I'm sure somebody was like, hey, 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 you know, pulling on their collar. Yeah, I'm sure like, George was completely unaffected. No, well, you know, yeah, yeah. We didn't mention George Kukor uh, was an openly gay man. Like mm-hmm. he, he was pretty open. I believe he was open the whole time he was in Hollywood. Pretty sure he was. Pretty sure that was it. Because I think classic Hollywood era, like you could be like there are people who are openly gay, and it was just like it was fine. Just you know, just don't be like too loud about it. I guess was like the one rule. Yes, you could be yourself, just not in public. Yeah, like Cary Grant allegedly was by, and like he. You know, played by the rules and like, well, uh, you know, to appear straight. This personal life, it was an open secret in Hollywood that Kukor was gay at a time when society was against it. Although he was discreet about his sexual orientation and, quote, never carried it as a pin on his lapel, quote, as producer Joseph L. Megawentz put it. Everybody knew, just wasn't, yeah. 
Next, Cesar Romero. Everyone knew. No. No. I'm sure everyone knew Vincent Price was. Vincent Price wasn't gay. He was bi. How dare you? Uh, according to Elvira, he was, quote, a big old queen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but look at all that man. He can't possibly gay. <laughs> Be- yeah, he was yeah, married multiple times. And always cheated on his wives. Normal stuff. Yeah, totally normal. Uh, let's see anything else. Oh, according to this movie, movie, it's normal stuff. Yeah, well, I, I don't think he was cheating with another woman always. Oh, but let's see anything else you want to get into about uh the women, George Cukor, Joan Crawford, classic Hollywood. Not that particular thing, but I I do want to talk about how the movie's message feels so mixed to me. Yeah, like I, I suspect it was just trying to. Well, I mean, the, what is the woman, message in the movie? In your well, opinion, the one who wrote it was super really conservative. But you can't. Be, but you can be. You know, uh, there there are women who are you know conservative, obviously, who are empowered and feel. I don't know. Like when you when you once you get like. Uh, I'm trying to be delicate how I say, specific how I say this. Like I, I consider myself a feminist. I don't like to be loud about it because if I'm loud about it, I feel like then it's easy for me to uh lose that, lose it, and just uh I feel like the the men who are loud about the most are the most bullshit uh about it. If you're proudly proclaiming it, then yeah, I, d- I, I don't know how that works. I.e., uh, Buffy guy, which we, don't don't bother his name. We all know who we're talking about. Like the Buffy guy who is, turns out, oh, he's just actually full of shit the whole time. Slander, not slander. Yeah, oh. that that one I will not allegedly. Yeah, he was full of shit the whole time. Everyone, knew. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, Anyway, it's a discussion for another time. But yeah, the message of the movie, I think it's trying to be like a feminist movie. I wonder if the play is more feminist and they had to tone it down for the movie. But uh, it feels like because it's Hollywood, because of the code, like they had to had to toe the line of like, yes, this is about women and uh kind of empowering empowering you know for women but at the end of the day you know she's straight and married to a man and you have to you know return to status quo because uh you know it's it'd be too upsetting too dangerous to have a movie about you know a, a woman who gets divorced and stays divorced and is happy with that choice yeah, I, that that makes more sense to get in context of the time. Like, you can't just have women be like, huh, we got divorced and everything's great now. It's like, no, no, you have to go back to your husband. That's the kind of happy ending people want to see. Like, <laughs> now that I'm, he got remarried and I've proven that his new wife is a cheater like he is, I can't wait to fall back into his arms Anyway. Yeah. So, 
and I'm also like, you know, the woman being super conservative is this kind of adds a layer of like, I, I did, did she support things that helped women or was she this all about like, no, support the party and, and never question it? Cause I really have no clue. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't look too much into it. It's a crazy time period. Yeah. Anyway, so what do you recommend this movie? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. I, and I, like I said, I think it's genuinely funny. I probably would need to rewatch it just to like get everything. Although I, I think you could draw a straight line through the story to like this is the plot, but it has a lot of fun goings on with each of the character. Each of the character feels pretty, pretty fleshy for a. <laughs> A old Hollywood movie. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a, there was a lot more leg than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I bet Hitchcock loved this movie. Mm. He was and, like, and- no one's hitting that blonde. They should be. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, oh, who was that? Boonwell probably loved this movie, too. He loved legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why you should watch this movie. It's it's full of hot chicks doing hot things. Yeah, I'm sure this people always joke like Tarantino movies for foot fetish. Like this is like if, if you're into legs, like this movie will will be it for you. Yeah, it was racier than I thought it was going to be, but yeah, without the intention to be. Well, I don't know what the intention was, but yeah, there's definitely yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else for me? Um, see, this oh, is why I don't claim to be feminist, even though I will definitely side with women on whatever is because I will say something like I just said and be only half joking. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I try to be feminist and be open minded and all that, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to be like, uh, loud, loud and proud about it because I don't. I, I feel like that shouldn't. Uh, this came up when I was on Movies from Hell. We talked about Sarah Jacobson for three and a half hours. Mm. And at one point, the Dan who who will be on the show from uh, Movies from Hell was like, being an ally in a feminist shouldn't be a special thing that you announce. It actually should be a base human trait. In 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 modern society, because he's talking about we're Sarah Jacobson. If you don't know who she is, she was an independent filmmaker in the nineties. Uh, she died tragically very young. She made one feature film that I think is a masterpiece, and a bunch of short films that are great. And it's this very, very punk, very uh, riot girl feminist, and uh, uh. And uh, yeah, she is rad, and I believe all of her films are are on YouTube. Her uh, her her uh, production company start she started with her mom, uploaded everything onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't know if her mom's still alive, but uh, you you can buy a good disc copy of it too. If you, yeah, definitely. I don't know who supports her, who that supports, but I think it's a whoever owns the company, which. At last I knew, last I know of it was her mom who was in control of that, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Oh yeah, so oh yeah, and the one thing uh, I forgot which character says it, but this happened. Um, not sure if you've picked up on it, but one character says Doctor Jekyll, and yes. this is the second time I've come across that. It's like, where did Jekyll come from? Because like I've seen the nineteen thirty two or thirty one, um, Doctor Jekyll movie, and they say Jekyll in that one too, which is like, is that the British way to say it, or is that like? Is this like an Igor thing, like how the e- our version of Igor that most people are our age know is because of Young Frankenstein and not the actual movie? The movie Igor? I, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Is this one of those weird things, like, in every old movie I've seen where they say it, it's, it's always Jekyll. It's like, okay, there must be, like, some pop culture thing that said Jekyll that stuck, that us over, that over, overrid everything before it. That big controversy. I'm gonna have to look this up now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the women. It's really good. It's I'd say a great movie. Uh. And if you're if you made it all the way through and know classic Hollywood really well and are annoyed, uh, I'm I'm sorry. This will be uh, most of the season when we talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I have a lot of guests for classic Hollywood stuff specifically. That's there. You know, I'm like I want someone who like is an expert in this, like a lifelong fan to talk about this stuff with, because uh, they'll be better at it. Anyway, so uh, this women, this women, this movie is streaming in places. I'm sure there's a DVD out there. There has to be a Blu-ray. I think it's this is MGM. Or is it Warner Brothers? I can't remember. But it's it MGM to, at the Lion. Yeah, so this has to have like a still be out there in physical. I, I don't see why this would disappear. I don't know. I couldn't find it at the library, like I said. Okay, so uh, just okay, this, oh, this is nineteen thirty nine. This is a year that movies came out, and I have. Only two movies. Only two? Um, there's a third one that's super famous I don't feel like mentioning. Okay. I, I'm only going to recommend one. And that's because I don't want to run out. I'm sure we're going to do more 1939 movies. Okay, then I'll stick to one. Yeah. My All one right. is Stagecoach. John Stagecoach. Uh... It's great. It's a John Ford Western. Get a good John Wayne. Well, John Wayne was always good, I think, in everything I've seen him in. Uh, it's a classic for a reason. Uh, I highly recommend it. The stunt work is great. Although, you see horses get hurt, and it's kind of upsetting. But, like, the stunt work on... I think uh, it was... It has, like, the super famous stunt guy who did, like, a thousand movies... And there's one stunt where he, like, there's, like, a, a carriage going full speed, and he climbed, like, around the side of it or underneath it and on top yeah, of the horse. It. And it's it's insane to watch this. And, you know, there was, uh, it's like Hong Kong in the 80s. Safety, not a, not a priority. If you get hurt and break your arm, deal with it. Yep. Shake it off. Yeah, it's just... Shake it off, and we're going to do five more takes. And, I and saw this in, in one of the film classes I took. 
stagecoach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And uh, we want to talk about that one. There's another John Wayne Western I'd rather talk about. The Conqueror. About. No. Rio Bravo. Oh, okay, Even though right. it's very generic to be like, we're talking about Rio Bravo, but Rio Bravo is awesome. And uh, I can't wait for you to watch it because I'm genuinely curious if you'll... I don't know your opinion on John Wayne as an actor, but... Uh, or Westerns or in general, but uh, yeah, uh, I fucking... I like old I like old man John Wayne Westerns. What can I say? You know, there's a line about John Wayne in the movie Repo Man. Uh, but you wouldn't that? know that line because you haven't seen it. Not yet. Oh, I can't repeat the line. It's actually quite <laughs> quite not okay. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. this, is it a quote from John Wayne? Because that sounds like something he would say if it's, not, if it's not okay to say out loud. It, yeah, he'd say it about somebody else, but <laughs> in the movie, it's about him. Uh, I have to agree. I, I haven't seen him be bad in any of the things I've seen him in either. It was so well, it would just leave the the personal life out of it as an actor. Yes, yeah. good. Yeah, uh, he's dead, and I feel no guilt watching his movies. <laughs> Don't think you should feel guilty about anything. Anyways, yeah. it's art. We're here watching art, whether or yeah. not it's an interpretation. I've been having a lot of talks about art recently. Anyways, mm-hmm. do, you, do you want me to go on one of these? Yeah, what's your 1939? Okay, so let me organize this by least popular. Average rating. Actually, we'll do it by average rating. Okay. So I got a lot of cartoons on here, which I'm not going to. <laughs> not until I get desperate. I'm not going to bring those up. See, apparently I watched a movie called The Real Glory, although I don't remember it. Oh, I do remember about this. Okay. So 1939, there's a movie called The Real Glory, and I watched this on one of those DVDs where it's like classic movies featuring these actors, you know, all these like movies that are free now fell out of uh, copyright. This one stars Gary Cooper as a doctor. He... um moves to the Filipino outpost and he's there to basically study. Well, I'm not sure what he's doing. Let's see. Um, the description says infested cholera and under attack from a vicious local Moro chieftain, the troops are terrified and their commanding officer has all but given up hope outnumbered and out of supplies caravan or canavan who is, Gary Cooper's character decides to trade his scalpel for a rifle and rally the few remaining troops into one last stand before the outpost and everyone inside becomes just another footnote in history. So it, it's pretty good drama. Now, like he's taking care of the, as many people as he can with the supplies he have, which are not many while people going out on scouting or just defending the base are slowly getting killed off. And, and, he realizes if he can't help everybody with his medicine, he can at least teach them how to hold guns, shoot guns, defend themselves that way since he's in the military. And it's not, it, you know, it's a movie about a a foreign country. So it's definitely not the most, uh, 
I don't, I don't want to say the word woke, but the answer is woke. <laughs> it's definitely not okay by any yeah. standards. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people in brownish face and stuff like that. But I did find the performances in it to be like good in general. Like I only gave it three out of five stars, but that's still better than you know a movie that I would just watch and forget. And there are a lot of those. <laughs> copyright-free movies that are just like, uh, is it over? Okay, bye. But, yeah, this this one actually stuck a, got it stuck in my head a little bit. So that's a pretty good sign. The Real Glory, it's probably on YouTube. Since it's on Amazon Prime, in fact, so you can watch it there for free if you have the Prime subscription. <clears throat> okay, um, I think I'll start releasing stuff in a month or so. I don't want to tell I have like we have like five or six recorded till I start mm-hmm. releasing stuff. Uh, I don't know. I write for Grumpire. Uh, I claim the movie to write about for them. I don't know when we're gonna actually write something about it, but Project Wolf Hunting, an action sci-fi movie, it came out last year. I guess earlier this year. I, it played festivals last year. Official release this year. It's on Amazon currently and I, other places, I assume. I pre-ordered the Blu-ray based off the trailer because people, actually people I trust were saying, if you like The Night Comes For Us and The Raid 2, you need to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to say they're wrong, but... They might have yeah, sold it. It, that will that will make you think it's a different kind of movie. It's turns into something that's not just pure action, like those movies are. But there is a lot of pure action in that vein. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be careful because with Grandpire, like I usually, I, I I I thought about doing like the action movie column thing, but I don't know how to talk about the story because I kind of don't want to spoil it for people because it's kind of fun watching learning what this movie actually is so uh yeah uh, uh yeah uh, so look out for sometime grumpire related to project wolf hunting in the future and uh not not for squeamish a lot a lot of practical gore and blood effects which is we watch we watch the movie and go like Oh yeah, this is why practical blood and gore actually is great because it feels visceral, vis- visceral, and everything looks wet and slippery and gross. I don't think your favorite movie, War, has much practical blood. Yeah, it's India, and like it's Indian movies are different; they operate on a different wavelength. That that'd be too. That would make the pretty people look ugly. That you can't do that. That's true. You, you need those just big, beautiful muscles and beautiful faces, you know, to look nice and clean. Like like they were just rubbed down with some glistening oil before they came on screen every time. Yeah, yeah. And when they dance, they they, they get you know a little bit sweaty, but not too sweaty. A sweaty enough where it's like, ooh, they're in shape. Yeah, exactly. Sweaty enough, like it's like, yeah, we're really moving. This is a hot time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the product wolf hunting, it's really good. And well, anything else? 
I think that that's all. That's everything for me. That's that's it for me too. Some someday I'll probably do. But <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, based on my recommendation before, I forgot I wrote a review. So the last thirty minutes of this are pretty good. Men get launched by catapult. <laughs> so another reason to watch the real glory. Yeah. Well, you should go on movies from hell. It'll it'll be a fun time. It'll be chaotic. It'll be a fun time. Set it up for me, because I'm not going to do it myself. I told Bradley to talk to you a while ago. That's not something, once again, I don't know. Do you want me to include you in a group message? And Sure, that's a way. Okay, fine, I'll do that. Bradley Bradley and Dan will be on here uh, a few times this season. Yeah. Talk about El Pico. Oh, actually, you're worried about... Anyway, we're going to... Yeah, so episode over. The next one we're recording, I'll give you. I'll say it outright. It's Fox and his friends, the Fastbender movie. Which if you ha- if you haven't seen it, I I I previously said it's a one and done. I'll never watch it again. It's too upsetting. And then I met. Then I came across someone else who think who loves it and thinks the masterpiece. And she's like, "Yeah, I can watch that movie a second time." And uh, yeah, so we're going to cover that for the next episode. So mm. just if you haven't seen it, it's deeply upsetting in a way that Fastbender movies to just like kind of fuck you up emotionally. But this one yeah. really hit me hard. Okay. I like those X Men movies. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. So look, uh, watch uh, some super intense RWF movies. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen to a tag for all the Twitter stuff, whatever. Our theme music is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T-Theory. That is spelled G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.